Uh, you, we're, we're going to lose the audience with what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, this is a podcast where the, the host goes asleep because he's just <laughs> constantly talking. Hey guys, Rob Case here. Welcome back to the Dropping in Surf Show. Uh, I am a paddling technique coach and my co-host, Jim Sigelnik, is a doctor of physical therapy. And this week, we have a really f- special guest, uh, Nick Franco. Uh, Jim and Nick grew up together, so listening to them is an absolute blast. Uh, A little bit about Nick. Nick is uh, a shaper, surfer, and paddler. Um, He grew up here in Marin and shapes custom surfboards and paddle boards. Um, All the paddle boards are hand-shaped by Nick and glassed by Stretch down in Santa Cruz. Uh, Nick has been surfing for over 25 years. He uh, was a prone paddler competitor for 12 years. He uh, a multiple podium finisher and wins throughout California and Hawaii. Uh, he was the top American prone paddler uh, in the Molokai to Oahu paddleboard race, which is many call as the most challenging paddleboard race uh, in the world. Uh, and has over 20 years of shaping experience. Um, This was recorded on February 17th, 2021 in Sausalito, California, just outside of Nick's Shaping Bay. So hope you guys enjoy it and learn something from it. You know? (laughs) Take a pit in your driveway. (laughs) (laughs) Time you're in How are you on time, dude? Because it's like 3 o'clock now. Are you... Good. Are we holding you up? Or are you you okay? Yeah, interview over. Did <laughs> <laughs> you better be over by the time I? Well, we can. Here. You can keep drinking. This is. You you can have another one too. So. No, you're being it's generous like by sharing with us. Perfect drinking weather. Maybe uh, we can dive in talking about this very beautiful gun you made me. Oh yeah. So Nick, what is this uh, beautiful craft you made me here? Uh, few months back this teal teal beast what is it yeah so this board is the um the model name of this board is it's called the bear shark and it's uh basically a step up board meant for um when the waves get a bigger bigger than what you're gonna be comfortable riding on your short board um but kind of a a board for everything in the sense that it it still performs really well even when you know it's a bit bit chunkier like the when the conditions aren't as clean um but but bigger and still just you need a lot of paddle a lot of paddle power and um uh the ability to sort of like plow through a lot of chop and it sounds like northern california yeah it's like it, it was it was originally developed for ocean beach on those bigger chunkier days that tend to happen a lot so Mm -hmm. yeah so what would you say with is this is a seven six what is this designed for like wave height we'll talk california like wave face height okay like what's 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 its sweet spot what is it thriving oh i would say i mean i would say you would probably want it i mean you could depending yeah you'd say probably like starting at head and a half going up to like probably maxing out at like triple overhead yep it would be like so yeah on a like a for ocean beach it would be like a bigger like a like an outer bar day that's not huge yep can i can i give you a a, like a like a truth ism Uh, i I love truth isms yeah this is my first board with a double leash plug oh nice yep yeah and it gives me a lot of anxiety (laughs) <laughs> when I when I see well, it. it's supposed to do the opposite. It's supposed to it, give you it, less anxiety. Yeah, I, I saw that double leash plug, and I was like, "This is not a normal board." Yep, I was on Instagram. I saw Twiggy Baker with a triple leash plug, yeah. and, I, and I almost threw up. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how I judge boards. How nice. many leash plugs do you have? That's based on your nausea factor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> no, but one thing that I personally found unique. I'm I'm not a shaper. Obviously, you are, and um. I've kind of I I had the privilege of kind of watching you bud when your teenage years making boards and yeah um yeah. you know it's been neat to see how far you've come um I didn't know much about 
the bottom contour difference between gun boards and short boards. And I know you used to work with Danny Hess, and I believe a lot of your kind of like everyday boards, gravel boards, maybe even short boards had like a flat bottom. Is that fair or no? For when? Like when you when you got when you shaped with Danny Hess in San Francisco? No, he had all different types of bottoms depending on like board size and board type. I uh, mean, just like just like everybody, he had he had okay. different uh, contours that okay. he used. Yeah. Okay, so the flat bottom isn't like a unique feature to. No, the flat, flat bottom board. honestly isn't used very often anymore. Mm. Um, it's which is kind of surprising because it's, it's. I mean, it it really. It typically is like one of the fastest bottoms there is. But that's what you were but saying. So when when do you see uh, when do you see the utility of a flat bottom? Then is that like more of a for gravel like, board or a fish or ah, just like if you want like really fast down the line speed, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's when. Yeah, the simplicity of it. It's just like a. The it's a, it is. Like one of the best planing surfaces, you know. No, it's super interesting to me because you lent me a board a couple months back. I think that was your Z Boogie model. Is that right? With the one, yep. the one it was like the a short board. Oh, one? the twin fin. The, yeah, it was a yeah. twin fin with a single fin option box. Yeah, that one I'm actually thinking about. That that specific model is, I think, quickly becoming the Takito. The Takito yeah. or Takito. Yeah. 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 And and that had a flat bottom, right? That has a flat to V, yeah. So flat, to flat v. through the guts and then V in the tail. Yeah. And that sort of the V in the tail, you know, helps to facilitate um, d- loosening it up, turning it, um, but also because it is a wide tail, but also um, it does maintain sort of that flat planing surface when you're when you're going down the line and you're you tend to be on the tail of that board mm-hmm. a bit more so mm-hmm. i guess you could say that has multiple flat bottoms yeah so i think but. what what kind of you turned me on to was a bit i don't know if it's non-conventional but like the idea of flat bottoms and then this gun here is like a more of like a panel v yeah yeah exactly so panel like v. and that f- that allows for speed down the line and and um it allows for it to go rail to rail easier, and it just it it helps it plane through that that sort of less than ideal conditions a lot. Yeah, because I think a lot of the boards on the market these days, from like maybe Channel Islands, Firewires, you go online, you start looking at these models, and you see a lot of like single concaves, single to double out the back, maybe yeah. a spiral V. Yeah, but you don't really hear a lot about like flat bottoms and and panel V's, and I thought that was pretty unique. That at least on that Takedo, which was like a five eight twin fin, that that f- that flat bottom was utilized because I felt like it was really really good. Like it felt really kind of right for the type of board that is. It was really fast, yeah, yet maneuverable. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a uh, flat bottoms were around. They've been around forever, and they just kind of went out of fashion. I guess I don't know. But they functionally they work really well, and the concaves work really well too. But they're for just different scenarios, you know, like the the single the single to double, which you see a lot on a lot of boards. Those work great when the mm-hmm. when the conditions are perfect, you know, mm-hmm. when it's like perfect and glassy, and and they create lift and they create drive by funneling water like through the fins, and mm-hmm. you know they all they all have their design <coughs> uh, applications where they work really well but um there's just also something i mean yeah i think each board each contour functions well in different style styles of boards Mm -hmm. and just depends on how what people want to get out of their surfboard we have such great perfect waves here too (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what i love about like what you're saying like when you're describing this it cuts through all that junk and that chop and that's like 80 percent of the waves that we surf yeah up here yeah well especially in like those conditions nick's describing at ocean beach or like some of these weird spots where it's imperfect but yes bigger for a mortal like myself you know like you you need every advantage you can get but um what was the first board you shaped i'm curious uh, it was a it was a five ten no it was a five six um it was a 
five, six, like, modern, not modern, but, like, a modernized fish, twin fin, with a rear stabilizer, like, a little tiny stabilizer. And the thing was, like, about three inches thick. And the, it was probably had, like, an inch of rocker in it. I shaped it in the basement, or the, like, not even the basement. It was, like, the un below the floor there was like a little dirt room where my mom was living and i shaped this it a larkspur Santa, it was in santa fe yeah <laughs> and uh yeah and it, i still have it actually yeah, i actually awesome. have it in here yeah and it's yeah it's, you made a lot of skateboards though before that i did we just made everything like yeah well you just always made stuff why i'm just curious like what I was this things were too expensive to go buy yeah. and we just like made stuff and yeah. like we had a very small set of tools between all of us that like we just like would see something cool and be like oh well let's try and make it whether it was like skimboards or skateboards or i mean who knows we i think we tried to make like didn't we i think we made um we like screwed some old tennis shoes to like some <laughs> you're bringing me back dude so yeah. we, we screwed were, some like, old tennis shoes to like these pieces of plywood to try and slide down grassy wet grassy oh my gosh i did stuff. that up in, up yeah. in nevada too. yeah we just did like <laughs> i don't know we we're just always making stuff so it's, it's really um like it, it's been neat to see your evolution of like seeing you go from middle school wood shop and being curious making things like skimboards and skateboards i never even took wood shop actually oh, i thought you not no i've, nev- I've never been so in a wood shop you were like class. a prodigy then you didn't even need formal training <laughs> yeah, no. you know because oh, no. a little backstory like in middle school nick made longboard skateboards this was like when oh, sector nine yeah was like you know it was really popular but uh-huh. his boards were unique because he would paint them and you would put sugar i think in the verithane yeah to make right? them grippy for, for grip right yeah and then i had more a formalized training in a woodshop class taught by a guy named mr grimes and and then i i got a little jealous or a little motivated maybe is a better word and started making my own boards that i think were inferior to nick's and i don't dis- I disagree i don't know i long had some board. help too long yeah board longboard skateboards. skateboards yeah but you know yeah because we didn't know how to put bend in them please tell yeah. me you guys still have those i have one i have uh, one around somewhere. maybe one or two yeah. at my mom's house maybe i can i think one day we need to do a trial <laughs> yeah well <laughs> they probably both ride the same because they're flat yeah exactly and the truck feet long <laughs> and the trucks are all crooked and yeah, yeah. But at least nicks you can ride barefoot that was like the yeah. thing like that, right. yeah if you can ride those barefoot that was key but to kind of see that maybe curiosity and that evolution of your craft go from making your own boards at your mom's house to even going working in um with with danny hess who's a uh, a pretty well-known i think shaper and craftsman and now you're doing your own thing and making not only surfboards but really 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 awesome uh prone paddle gear um so how did that transition evolve from going from tinkering around at your mom's house to to paddle boards because not a lot of people even know about paddle boards i would think yeah like in the surf community and and so if they do they might know of like bark which yeah is, you know so yeah i mean um the prone paddling thing started for me in like 2008 and it just started on an, like an old like 70s lifeguard board and the idea was just to kind of be in the water and it, when you couldn't surf and you know stay fit for surfing and stuff like that and then i've started finding out about races and you know growing up in northern california it's not necessarily like a paddling mm-hmm. um paddling haven there's not that many people that do it and not then just not that many people that know about it and um and it's prone paddling so it's actually like paddling using your arms on like a uh the best way to on like a very long thick surfboard for um for somebody who doesn't know but they're their own they're their own style of craft but yeah just started doing that and then found out about some races through like the ghost riders down in santa cruz which is a paddle club down there and then from there they kind of turned me on to 
um, a lot more of the Southern California races and Hawaii races. And, um, yeah, just started competing pretty heavily and, um, and was paddling for a, uh, Southern California guy named Craig Richmond for a few years. And then, um, after paddling for him for a few years, just kind of wanted to try making my own and started making my own and it kind of just turned into a little business and how'd the um, first board turn out the first board um well the very first board actually went went across the molokai channel Um, yeah and it did not go very good. <laughs> um, Why is that? Did it make it? It made it. It All made right. it. Success. But it made it was it was designed for like big ocean swell and that year was completely flat with no wind. Oh, mm. I think I remember that. And um, yeah, I had taken I had I had leading up to that race I had been over on Oahu for about a month prior training and, you know, was getting a lot of good downwind runs on it and having a blast. And when it came time to race, it it ended up being that that year was just a total flat water Mm. race. And the board that I had made was not made for flat water. Mm. And so it ended up being really slow. So what's the difference between a flat water board and a board that's made for kind of more, um, I would seas. say the main, like the main thing is the rocker profile. Mm-hmm. Um, like typically a flat water board, which is something that would be, you know, raced in like a Catalina classic, um, which is something people may be familiar with. Um, those, they tend to have really flat rockers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tend to, uh, yeah, to be made just to really knife through, knife through the water and, and, they're often like the there's there's a, two different classes there's like a stock class which is 12 foot and then there's the unlimited class which is exactly that you can make it as big as you want but they tend to those catalina boards tend to max out around 18 6 or 19 foot mm-hmm. um whereas a downwind board you wouldn't want that much length um because you actually spend and the downwind board is something that you would ride in or paddle in a um, in a Molokai to Oahu paddle race, or a Davenport downwinder, mm-hmm. or uh, you know any other of these downwind races. And the idea with those is to ride as much open ocean swell as possible. Mm-hmm. And so you want a lot more rocker. And um, the board, the bottom contours of the board are a bit different. And um, and just the distribution of volume is different. Mm. Um, so like in a flat water race, you tend to, it's all about the motor, you know, obviously there's a lot of board design, but you need, you're just like, you get into a rhythm and you go as hard as you can for however long, however many miles that race is. Whereas a downwind race is some, is you're really trying to maximize the amount of swell you can ride. So it's a lot more short bursts of paddling, Mm -hmm. but, trying to connect open ocean swell and ride it for as long and far as possible. And if you can do that, you're going to go much faster, do much and better. And that's why you so. don't want as much water line in the board because it's going to catch on the contour yeah. of the wave. Like the, le- the, less, yeah. the less you're, you know, burying your nose, the faster you're going to go. Right. So, um, so, yeah, so they're just two completely different designs. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas the stock, the stock boards, you tend to have one for both situations. Right. So, and those are, that just means it's, it's a 12, 12 foot board and some races require a weight minimum. Um, some don't. So. Is a, is a 14 foot just the worst of both of those? No, no. I mean, a 14 foot's like a really ni- a niche, uh, class. Um, so it's only... It's only recognized in California from everything I understand yet. It's pretty much, um, there is, there usually is a 14 foot division in races, but like in Hawaii, they're just considered an unlimited. Um, 
so which puts you at, some, at a major disadvantage yeah. generally um but like you know they like a a different good differentiation with the stocks and the 14s it's a fixed fin generally um whereas when you get into the unlimiteds you usually have a kick tiller mm-hmm. which um just because you have so much length of board um it helps to keep you moving in the direction you want to go without mm-hmm. having one shoulder completely fall off you know yeah, yeah, that, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that makes a lot of sense i guess um i'm not experienced enough as nick to like know the nuances of riding open ocean swell versus flat water like i've done zero races yeah i've ridden this for i don't know when i got this from you maybe four years ago it was right before your son was born i think i think it was longer than that you've had it for a while yeah it's yeah. T- 12 foot stock and yeah. um pretty much i take it in the bay and um it's been great for um getting exercise you know but i haven't like done a ton of open ocean and experienced like maybe the need for rockers so uh uh, but that makes a lot of sense, just like a surfboard. If you know you got something flat that's going in a curve, you know, yeah, more, more length is just going to foul you up. So that's yeah. And the board you have, you've got a, one of the original stock boards, and it actually does have a fair bit of of rocker to it. Um, but it it kind of the rocker gets accentuated in that first or in that uh, first four feet from the nose to like just ahead of your chest um and then it tends to the rocker relaxes through the tail so yeah, so, so it's sort of meant to be able to be used in both so how do you situations. model that like as a shaper of these things because like with surfboards it's like there's so many designs and people have done like yeah. a single to double and this rocker and that rocker yeah. so many times like was this all trial and error did you have uh yeah, so role models or is you know it's interesting um, mentors. When you know, I by no means am the first to, to do what I'm doing. Like, there's been lots of people who have. I mean, yeah, I guess in the paddle world, which is a small world, um, there have been quite a few shapers who have done all kinds of different variations. But in general. The paddleboard has kind of stuck to one design through, you know, the past 50 plus years. Um, And I was just kind of looking at everything um, that was out there and just kind of thought there might be something different that would work. Um, And so I just started experimenting. And it was also good to, you know, when I paddled for that guy, Craig Richmond, he was he wanted or was trying new designs wanted to try new designs and i was willing to paddle him which was a mm-hmm. uh, good eye-opening experience you know and so i kind of took where he like his sort of look at different ideas and decided to kind of follow that idea of trying something new that you don't see all the time you know yeah and so when i first started making them a lot of times i would show up at races and people would ask ask if i was in the stand-up division because the boards just looked so completely different you know um but yeah it was it's been uh sort of taking a lot of the knowledge and stuff that i've learned from shaping surfboards and riding surfboards it's been a lot of looking at like boat design a lot of looking at you know the technologies that are in other watercrafts like windsurfers and mm-hmm. you know even some of the stand-up boards and uh, looking at just sort of the the outrigger canoes and the surf skis and all the things that can go fast and mm-hmm. in the water and have been taken little bits and pieces here and there trying to sort of figure out what works and mm-hmm. and then just a, yeah like you said a lot of testing a lot mm-hmm. of trials and a lot of errors and mm-hmm. um but ultimately coming up with something that's been become successful and but still trying new things all the time you know so. yeah it's so interesting because you have surfboards that it's really goal is to turn ultimately yeah. 
and then you have paddle boards, which is goal is to just go straight and fast. Yeah. You know, for the most part, and they're yeah. totally different goals in my mind. Um, and I think you've done a pretty good job with both, which is pretty amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you've done the M2O how many times? Eight times. And it's all been on your own gear? No, six on my own. Two, okay. Two on uh, Richmond stock boards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And um, I was it 2017 you were the first american to finish yeah yeah was that, that on your that own was, gear yeah that was on that's pretty sick yeah that was a good year yeah yeah so like yeah. i'm just really intrigued by that because like the people that finished ahead of you were like pro aussies yeah yeah and what yeah. what kind of gear were they riding um all v- varied um they they have a f- they have a few shapers down um in australia and new zealand that they were uh paddling and then a few few of them were on barks um mm-hmm. who's a shaper down in uh southern california and um yeah and then and then there was me so i just love that story it's like this underdog craftsman comes out of california <laughs> like i'm not, on my own board yeah <laughs> like making his own gear <laughs> finishing first um what was that experience like did what was the interest in your boards did it go up significantly after that? People were curious. I think the curiosity it? went up. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a, it's an interesting um, like paddleboards are for most people. Paddleboards are kind of like a a lifetime purchase, or and because it's you know all these races there's that we do, it's for fun mostly. Mm-hmm. You know, like they. You know, the Molokai race, which is like, you know, w- along with the Catalina race, is they're like the biggest distance races in the in the world right now. But like, you know, the Molokai prize purse is like three grand, and that's for like the first guy, and like the rest of us spend, you know, the at least that just to get there right you, know? you gotta fly there yeah you gotta fly your board there exactly. you gotta get a boat crew exactly i mean it's like so it's it's a it's a yeah so we just do this with it's something we do for fun but so like a lot of people you know most everybody's supporting themselves right you know there's a few people that might have like a t-shirt sponsor or something but sure. like or they're like surf guys that have their surf sponsors that they bring over or whatever but like so for most people they're buying paddleboard and the paddleboard's not a cheap thing to buy right. just based yeah. on the materials and the construction of them and and the you know the amount of the amount of work it goes into them so most people buy a lifetime board like they'll buy one it's not like surfboards where you have a whole quiver right like those of us who are lucky enough to have like a flat water and a downwind and maybe a stock board all like that's that's pretty good that's big time big time you yeah. know so like yeah if i didn't make them there was no there's no way i'd be able to have yeah. it reminds me of of one of my favorite winter olympic sports curling <laughs> i mean aside from the completely different <laughs> physical aspects of it. Yeah, but if you watch this the is curlers, way better than curling though. If you watch the curlers, it's <laughs> I like I don't know, maybe not. This is Jim Sigelnik from Minnesota. Yeah. He owns his own pizza parlor, right. and you totally. know, they're there yeah. just because they love curling. Right. But the main difference, other than the physical, is the mental aspect of having to paddle, especially that flat water year at M two O. Yeah. Like, yeah. how hard is it to? like mentally make it like physically everyone's fit everyone's there yeah. for a reason but i think the difference maker is how how strong are you mentally to suffer through those 32 miles or or whatnot like yeah what i mean goes through it's your head definitely like a it's definitely a suffer fest i mean you you we, we always like to joke that paddle prone paddling's like surfing without all the fun parts <laughs> yeah. um yeah and especially that year, you didn't get to ride waves. On yeah, across yeah. I mean, that's like the the beauty of like a for me personally, like my passion in the paddling world is the downwind races because it really is like it's a combination of you know your of surfing and navigation and being able to just 
be out in the open ocean and catch these open ocean swells and it's so fun and um but even on those big even when when those races are big and fast and and so much fun there's still a lot of suffering yeah yeah Yeah. how do you like what where do you go in your head when you hit that first i mean there's several suffer points and then you probably get your second third fourth wins yeah like how do you how do you kind of strategize in your head or you just i mean the trick is like i think more than anything and i i know i've talked to other people in this similar who you know have done the same races or have done marathons or whatever it is that they do but like um it's all like over the years i've sort of found that it's the ability to like really hit rock bottom and then or bonk and then be able to come out of it and sometimes that happens multiple times in a race like Mm -hmm. where you just have to like you really have to know that how as miserable as you might be feeling in that moment like you can you can come out of it and you can like get beyond it even though it doesn't seem like it at the time and you know you go through like so many like peaks and valleys like where there'll be moments where you're feeling amazing and you're like you know you're going really fast and you're connecting and or in a flat water sense you're just in a rhythm and you're just you don't know you don't even feel it and you're like passing people and everything's great and you're just you know you're having a blast and then like it can turn on a dime and you don't even don't even expect it and you just everything hurts and you like for me personally like i'll go through these moments of like you are the worst person in <laughs> the entire planet like it's amazing yeah like you're just like you don't belong here like what are you doing like yeah everything you did leading up to this was wrong you know like and you just go super dark yeah to where it's like you're like you should just ro- like jump off this board and just swim down to the bottom and stay there wow and then somehow you just keep going and you break through that and it starts again and so just to give you a little background on nick and he won't admit this because he's too modest but when we're in like high school nick was running like a four something mile like he's very fit he's very like capable yeah. So, like, to hear you say that is like, man, I would be like off in the shipping lane, like, <laughs> just never to be seen again. If that's what this guy's saying, ring that bell. You know? Bang, I'm out. Like, <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, like, that's crazy. So, I, what what pulls you out of that? Is it more like physical training, or is it mental, psychological that kind of snaps you out of that dark place? I mean, I think it's a few things. I mean, you definitely have to put in the training. I mean, like, if you just want to finish, then you know you can do like. I think it's really funny. I've got I've got a friend, and he's done. He he lives out in Colorado, and he's done a bunch of different endurance races, whether it's like ski races or, uh, you know, curling. Um, no, no curling. <laughs> ski races Just or checking. marathons or uh, so those Spartan races or whatever it is. And he loves to like not train very hard and then see how many people he could pass and. <laughs> Like One of those guys. <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious, and he loves it. But like, if if you like really want to do well, and again, it's just for like your own personal bragging rights, because you're not going to become nobody's getting rich off this stuff, or nobody's like making a career out of it, really. You know, um, you're you just have to you really have to focus on putting in the training, and it's a year round training when you're when you're competing, and. So I think knowing that you've like put in the work, um, and really done, done everything to put you in the position to do well, that helps to yeah. keep you focused. And um, and then just knowing, like, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I hope I've been able to compartmentalize it properly, but I've always been a really competitive person when it comes to athletics and so like that sort of competitive drive was always something to help break me out of um or just to help 
keep me going when even when I felt like I didn't really want to, you know. Um, That's why your skateboard business was more successful than mine in middle <laughs> school. That competitive drive, I think. Well, I was said I was. I was. I hope that it stays in the in the <laughs> athletic arena, you know. Um, uh, it's amazing. So, do you think um, what intrigues you about these races is it uh, testing yourself? Yeah, mentally, definitely. physically, is it testing your gear? Is it just being in the competition, or is it just fun riding downwind, or is it all the above? Sure, all the above. I mean, I think for me, it was like it was an extension of surfing that um, you know, because you can't surf every day, even when you have no no obligations you know there's there's days where it's, there's no waves or it's junky out and there's like and you know we were talking about it earlier like fishing diving paddling swimming body surfing surfing i've all those things it's like any way to stay in the water is like was the ultimate goal still is the ultimate goal you know to be able to to and to be so it was always fun to like have something to do and then and then with the paddling thing you know finding that competitive outlet um it's okay that no yeah finding that competitive outlet was like um really intriguing to me and fun and there's the paddling community is a great community like i've made yeah. some lifelong friends out of that that community and um yeah it's just so yeah it was and just like the thing that i loved about the dis the long distance paddles and races was really getting out way out in the ocean under your own power and like being able to see places that a lot of people will never see and just be able to experience like, you know, conditions and wildlife and, Mm. and just that feeling of knowing that you're, there are times where like you can't see land and it's like, pretty amazing to be amazing. in a place like that under your own power and know that you're responsible for your for getting back you know so yeah, it's, it's, scary, it's fun fun challenge um what's what's um what's come up out there like it, what's been some of the um gnarlier things you've seen has it been wildlife situations uh yeah um i've been completely I've been completely encircled by blue whales in the Monterey Bay. Wow. Um, with no one else around. Blue whales are like 100 feet long, aren't they? Yeah, they're huge. They're real big. (laughs) Yeah. uh, No, I had an experience where a humpback came up to me, and it freaked me out, and it was 20 feet long. Uh, Yeah, so that that was really cool. I mean, I, like, actually just had to stop paddling and sit up and just watch the show for, like, 10 minutes. That's amazing. Um, There was probably, like, you know, eight or ten of them just – swimming in a circle around me so that i've seen i was down paddling like you know um like where was it like between ventura and and uh or i guess between yeah like down south of ventura and had like a um a mother gray whale with her uh baby swim like two feet underneath me Mm. that was pretty cool yeah, we've seen sharks. We've hey. seen, you know, all kinds of seals, sea lions, elephant seals. You know, uh, yeah, all just all kinds of tons of dolphins. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I was actually I was uh I was like a hundred feet off of the starting line of the molokai race and i got nailed in the face by a flying fish (laughs) 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 and it like missed my eye by like a half an inch i'm really Uh, glad you see that as a sign that the flying fish he's like you need more around just go back you need more rocker in the (laughs) nose (laughs) i'm gonna slap you yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah just all kinds of stuff and then yeah just seeing you know seeing places on the coast that you just can't get to by the road by road or you know yeah, just lots of lots of yeah. really cool stuff. No, I so. I mean I think we all share that common thread with surfing and mm-hmm. you know exploring and traveling and finding little you know nooks in the coast and yeah you know they're you know being in Northern California you can surf you know here or there and surf with a hundred 
people or you could like drive 40 minutes that way and surf by yourself and be scared yeah. and like <laughs> sometimes yeah. that's uh that's really cool you know yeah. um to take that calculated risk and uh prove yourself wrong and get a little shook and uh like yeah i i think that could be a really healthy thing and i'm i'm like really in a sense proud of you for like putting yourself out there and having those experiences how's that changed now being a father because you have a almost a four-year-old son now. three and a half yeah and a half, um yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely changed. I changed things. I um Are you my, as risky or Well, lately I've just been working a lot. Right. So, I guess you could say not as much. But um I thought you were getting a little chubby. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did not tell him now. What's Jim. what's your mile time now? Dude? Yeah. It's, let's do, should we go do it right now? Yeah. 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 Let's do that. Um No, I did so my last Molokai was in 2018 and my son had been born that year he was born in 2007 like the end of 2017 and uh so at like two months old I like got really had to start training again and it it was I I did it I like did the whole season and raced and did okay um but the time commitment just was so intense i mean usually during peak training times i was you know doing four four plus hours a day on top of working full time mm -hmm. and so after after that season ended it was kind of like okay i need to start being a dad so mm -hmm. um so yeah i really sort of i had to step away from paddling for the past couple of years um i've still been building boards but um as far as like the being really serious about training and racing i've had to sort of slow it down a little bit so mm -hmm. um but yeah but i've still i still get out for like i've been doing some night paddles which has been kind of wow. fun so up um, north no, d down here. Oh, so, wow. yeah, just kind of. Just out here in the bay. and Yeah. So, um, yeah, just occasionally I jump out and run along the um, the waterfront in, right, like in Sausalito where the, it's pretty. So, yeah. So, I've been doing that occasionally and just like, but yeah, more more just focusing on uh, on working and being a dad right now and, and hopefully getting him in the water sooner than yeah. later so he's at that age yeah yeah we're working on you pick and choose swimming and yeah getting comfy oh they it's need cold to, they you need know to swim first what's that are, are they supposed to swim first i think so oh because yeah. i got my son like not swimming <laughs> in a, i just figured you put a life vest in him he's just good. stay on the board kid yeah. just yeah the life vest like uh, as a uh, as underpants yeah yeah just flipped around yeah, yeah i just i just hook him like there's a strap on the life vest yeah and he's on the front of the board and i'm on the back and we just belly ride at bolinas nice yeah and That's a couple awesome. other secret spots yeah it's funny we're at uh this local surf shop proof lab here yeah and uh, one of the employees comes up. I have my son, Gavin, with yeah. me. And he goes, uh, Gavin, you surf? And Gavin goes, yeah. Gavin's four. Nice. And uh, he goes, where do you surf? And Gavin looks at me like he's asking me my spot look. Because <laughs> yeah. we go to this place that's right. in the bay, and you're not. It's, right. it's our secret spot. You've already and said too much. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, it's okay, buddy. You could tell him. Yeah. And he's saying he told him <laughs> the beach. But he, like, yeah. cleared it by me hey, you're I thought that was pretty cool you're that, is so you know? that is so kid, marin. Kid, kid can't swim but yeah. he's like fearless <laughs> in the ocean it's that is so marin jim i know well i was trained him well marin you magazine trained, one trained him well <laughs> were you really don't give away the yeah stats. yeah it was uh uh trish and i got married and at the mountain home inn in yeah. mill valley um, yeah i don't know I, I it's because know. of trish it wasn't because yeah. of you. yeah yeah and so we got uh uh we were on the cover of marine magazine because we, I had knew, known a contact that was an editor for the Marine, yeah. Marine magazine, and, and so you're like, I think I should be on the cover. No, that was like a total <laughs> surprise. But like, I totally finagled the deal. I was like, I, I was like, I, I, I talked to the mountain home in. I was like, look, I know a guy, <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna get you some play right now, and um, you're gonna hook up this deal, right, on the yeah. wedding. And so, 
We got some perks, like nice. I think, like we were able to go there for our one-year anniversary and stay. For Is the statute of limitations up? Can you be saying this on fifty thousand well, watts, or you know, um, or I, how many watts? Let, are let's we on? just let's <laughs> let's just say if if we go there right now, I could get this free coffee. What? <laughs> yeah. Let's so, go. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, but Nick, um, kind of switching gears back to boards, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of tying it into talking about kids, um, you know. I had a moment with Gavin when he was, after he was born, where I went out and surfed some bigger waves, and I was like, I had a lot of anxiety. Like, oh yeah, sure. Like, I I mean I'm I'm not I wouldn't call myself a big wave surfer per se. Like I'm not surfing Mavericks or anything like that. But like, yeah. surf some big waves, and I had more anxiety because I was like, kind of yeah. worried. Because like, it's I not all about you anymore. Yeah. yeah so like, I came back. You got to start like, thinking about other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. totally. Came back and um, uh, back to my house and uh, was very emotional. I kind of hung it up. And then sure. ordering this uh, uh, gun from you or, or semi-gun bear shark model, it was kind of like me um, wanting to take a risk again because I kind of went through this mental uh, kind of thing where it was like I don't want to hold back every aspect of my life. I want right. to take calculated risks. I want my son to see his father like doing something. He likes totally to challenging yeah. himself like yeah. in a, in a mindful way without <coughs> being reckless. Right. Because that's how I want him to pursue life. Right. right. And so this board, that was kind of like the whole catalyst for me coming to you and nice. Yeah. And ordering it. And so, you know, I've only surfed it once uh, because I am super um, cautious when it comes to being in bigger surf. But I will say um, uh, it felt really, really good. It felt very stable and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I think you did uh, just an all round beautiful. Um, it's a it's a beautiful piece of art from the thick stringer to the panel V bottom to the color uh, and and. Um, even the glass job, everything about it is just beautiful, man. Oh, so. thanks. Your royalty checks hey. are in the mail. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I get hey, free Jim, coffee. How did, um, <laughs> yeah. how did you set up the fins when you went? When you uh, I did a quad. Backwards. Yeah, quad. yeah. yeah. backwards. <laughs> one backwards, one forward. I yeah. put five He's fins. He's been paying attention to the wave. <laughs> Most wave storms that go by. <laughs> He's yeah. like, let's, let's yeah, do exactly. it like that. Fins? Yeah. So fins. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I uh, uh, my buddy, uh, actually gifted me a set of, um, stretch quad fins. Oh, nice. Yeah. They're, they're, they're kind of smoke, yeah, uh, color like glass and really stiff. And, um, I went with a quad on my session and it felt really good. When you shape a board, do you, do you think about the fin setups that people are going to be using? Oh yeah, Possibly. definitely. So yeah, I mean, that's just part of the, um, of the meeting that I have with, each client like i don't so none of my boards that you can't like get my boards in a shop anywhere just because um right it's i just work on a custom basis so if you come and order a board with me then we have a full discussion about what it is that you're looking to get what you're you know what you're hoping to do with your surfing with the board that we're going to make and um, most times it's even as is involved as templating it and and cutting it out uh with the client so that way they they can actually see what it is that we're talking about and they have the chance to say yes this is exactly what i want or no let's pull the tail in no let's do something that's a too narrow or whatever like it gives it it gives the them the opportunity to participate in what they're getting and also um get exactly what they want out of it hopefully do you shape are there certain boards that you're going to shape that are you just need to ride it thruster and you or you just need to ride quad definitely um and you know this is all of like my recommendations are coming off of my own personal preference uh and my my idea of what i'm making at the time and so it's just a recommendation, but yes, there definitely there are some boards that I think excel as a quad, or I think excel as a thruster um, more than others. Or, you know, or yeah, sure. Or like when I'm making longboards, like I'm gonna like unless 
Uh, unless you specifically request it, like, I'm going to make your longboard a single fin. Because, like, right. I just kind of think that's the way longboards should be. Single fins. Like, if you, if you are adamant about making it a two plus one setup, then, like, I'll, yeah, then I'll do, I'll, I'll do that. But, like, my sort of, I have, per, per model, I have an idea of what I think works best. Again, that can be. That can be refuted by anyone, but yeah, yeah. So you, you have a good amount of models on your website, and they cover like like you said, longboard, and you got some yeah. gravel boards and high performance boards, and like even like a like a glider looking thing, which looks. I think that might be the next board I want to order from you. By the way, the glider. Which one's the glider? It's looking? uh the husky. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like a yeah. So that's actually like a, not at all a glider, but yeah, that's not a glider. <laughs> no, no. It looks like a, no. like one of those mega fishes. Oh yeah. You know? Well, it's yeah. That's sort of that's that was a board I came up with with a friend of mine where we were trying to just make like make something that could work in any conditions where it's like a basically like we were joking. It's like the two to twenty foot board. Yeah. Like. You could ride it instead of a longboard, and you could ride it as a gun if you needed to. Yeah. I mean, obviously, getting a gun is going to probably perform better because it's specifically suited. But, like, uh, kind of like that that Husky Boy is supposed to be kind of like a Swiss Army knife. Of a yeah, it looks cool. It looks really cool. How many, how many uh, of your clients call you up and they're, like, uh, kind of, like, influenced by the corporate model? Like they're like, oh, I want a five eight thirty oh, liter. I would say most. You know, yeah. And then how much of that do you have to kind of rein them in and like coach them on? You know, I don't actually think that reining them in is necessarily the best idea because I think like my whole goal is to make something that's gonna work for you the best, and by that I mean you. I hope that it's a board that you're gonna have enough, so much fun on it that it's you're gonna want to go back to it. So I actually encourage people when they come to the shaving bay to bring, bring previous boards. Buy and it, I don't care who made them. Like mm -hmm. bring them, and we can. So that way we can sort of pick them apart and say, see what works, works out of a board that maybe this was one you got, but it wasn't perfect. And but what worked for you and what didn't work for you, and then we can compare it to other boards. And um, it's actually like it's helpful to try to make something um because all my boards are hand shaped so yeah it gives me the ability to customize mm -hmm. fully um and so yeah i think it's actually helpful to have people bring what they've written in the past that's really or cool. at least an idea of or like a knowledgeable um or being able to speak knowledgeably about what they liked it and didn't like from previous boards but even if you don't if you don't really if you can't articulate it um it's still fine we will we can work through it and figure out something that's going to work and ultimately like i want something that's going to work for you so like i try to always say you know if it doesn't work for you let's make something that does you know and we'll figure it out whether we sell it or to fund the next one or we figure out some way to make sure that like you walk away happy you know right. so yeah. And um, tell us a little bit about uh, kind of the manufacturing process. Like, where do you get your foam? Who glasses your stuff? Yeah, sure. So um, so I get all my foam from U.S. Blanks. Um, and Polyest polyester foam? Or yeah, so I, I use my construction is it's a, I use polyester blanks, um, and they get hand-shaped by me here in my shaping bay. And then... Um, then I take them down to Santa Cruz, and they get glassed by this by stretch stretches glass shop, and they do a, a bang up job, um, and I have them glassed, um, primarily using S cloth with um, with entropy uh, bio epoxy, and uh, I just found find that the the combination of the polyurethane blank with the entropy uh, lamination uh, um, functions really well. It fle they flex well. They 
the longevity or I guess the like the elasticity of the of the epoxy is really good. Um, it's a slightly lower VOC, so it's kind of it's just friendlier to everybody involved. Like every, you know, it's 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 easier or it's not easier to work with necessarily. I know, I know it, it can it can be challenging at times, but like, um, but it's better for everybody who's working with it. And, you know, it's, it is by no means eco, but it's at least a step in the right direction, you know, using the tree sap, uh, additives and, um, they sand it also down there. They do. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they glass and sand down there. So, and then with the paddle boards, um, the paddle boards are, uh, one pound DPS block, like just a, you guys saw the yeah, blocks yeah. of foam I get. And um, yeah, and then those get shaped. And um, those, because they're one pound DPS, they, um, they, when they're just raw foam, they're kind of like a noodle. So um, I've made a few different rocker beds that those actually get. Um, set into and then they get glassed in in the rocker beds using I do a f- at the minimum I do a, f- a full carbon four ounce carbon lamination um, and then it, that carbon gets wrapped in uh, four ounce S cloth and then um, gets hot coated sanded painted pad laid down uh, fin boxes put in and a like a Gore-Tex breather valve that goes in that allows the EPS to off gas. Um, is that and what those, that is? Yeah, the that's that plug right in front of the, um, sometimes it's behind the uh, fin box, the top fin box, which holds the water bottle cages. Um, but yeah, and most often I do those, I do that glassing myself um, just because there's so much, um, that you have to deal with with the rocker beds and and yeah. because stretch is is usually you know very busy with surfboard laminations that they have to when they do when i have too many paddle boards going at once then they'll help me out but they have to actually usually halt production on their surfboards which is can be he's like not more of these things yeah so i mean sometimes <laughs> it's, yeah i mean they're not opposed to it but it's just like we just have to have we just have to make sure that they have the the time because yeah. it's, they are really labor intensive to make and they do a great job down there as well but they just oftentimes have too much work and um so i and i i, li- I actually like doing the glassing on the paddle boards um cool. it's a it's a fun process and it's pretty involved so the rocker bed like what is that you, you kind of push the malleable foam no, so basically, like, there's a rocker shaped into the blank, uh-huh. and then, but it won't hold the rocker on its own. Like, if you were to just put yeah. it on stands, um, on, like, shaping or glassing stands, it'll actually sort of bend around those. Um, you know, we're talking a deflect deflection of, like, a couple inches, not, like, an actual, um, it's not like horseshoeing over them. But um, I basically have made these varying like depending on the board it's a you know whether it's a 12 foot bed or a 15 foot bed or 18 foot bed and what it is it's like a two lengthwise two by fours that then have cross member two by fours running across it um so it basically looks like a ladder i guess you could say and each ladder rung has um it has been shimmed to various heights so that when you actually you, you just set the board on top of that sort of horizontal ladder i guess you would say mm-hmm. and it's the way those shims are set up it actually mimics the bottom contour of the board or the top contour depending it's like a massive template a massive template that just holds so while the epoxy is kicking in your lamination it just holds that rocker mm-hmm. um so that um, you can get a consistent rocker every time you do it. So very intricate. Yeah, yeah, lots of just yeah. Again, more tr- trial and error and picking up little ideas from different. Didn't learn people that in wood shop. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> when does the sugar sprinkle come in? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a, that's that's a special extra detail. That's gonna be the yeah, new pad. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. Yeah. So tell us um, uh, if so you're, you're you shape out a Sausalito. We're rather, we're allowed to say Sausalito, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in our Sausalito. podcast, we joke about that surf spot over there. We, we call it Spot X. Oh, yeah. That surf spot you and I grew up. Yeah, yeah. To. That's spot X. So we can say Sausalito. Again, you've already said too much. Yeah. <laughs> we can yeah, edit Yeah, Gavin's going to get on you, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah. mean mugging you yeah, right now. Yeah, he's going to be yeah. so bummed out. Yeah. Um, so how do um, people uh, locally in the Bay Area contact you if they want to order a board? Yeah, the Bay Area and beyond. Um, and beyond, open, yeah. Open, but um, yeah, um, the best way to do it is to... You can just go on the website, which is shearwaterpaddleboards.com. Um, and uh, it just, it, there's a contact page, and you can just shoot me an email. And then from there, um, we can set up a meeting and have you come down, or a phone meeting. Or if you don't want to do any of that, you can just send me dimensions. And um, yeah, and so that that's probably the easiest way because um, yeah that that sort of the email gives me an idea of what you're looking for and then we can talk on the phone and and uh and figure out exactly what you're looking for mm-hmm. based off of that information mm-hmm. what's turnaround time on a on a prone uh generally like take? three months mm-hmm. um that's kind of that's pretty fast because mm-hmm. um, I have to Very it takes a few weeks intensive. to order the foam and then it's <clears throat> it's usually about yeah I would say anywhere from eight to twelve hours of actual shaping time which is like it's there's just a lot of foam to hog out of them yeah. and and you can only do it for I find you, you can only do it for so long before you have to step away and then come back and look at yeah. it again and see those bumps that maybe when you're looking at the rail line of a 12 to 18 foot board it's a lot different than looking at a uh you know six six foot surfboard where yeah. your eye can play tricks on you so it's good to step away sometimes and come back and clean it up and then and then one thing with the another thing that um i try to do with the paddle boards is um for a custom board i actually take uh, measurements of the individual's body and in order to make the uh, the body well or the knee well um, fit to you as a paddler because I think that you end up spending so much time in sitting either on your knees or on your chest on these boards that you need to be as comfortable as, and stable as possible so um, by taking a series of measurements and making like a body map, um, I'm able to grind out a well that is specific to you and makes it so that um, you can focus more on paddling and less on trying to find a comfortable spot yeah, to that, be. That is, that's, that's cool. badass. That explains why my knees hurt because this was a board I think you made for yourself. No, this was <laughs> one I made oh, okay. for a guy who's like six six. Oh, that, 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 uh, that explains. Yeah, no, no, yeah. You're, the board's very very comfortable. Um, yeah. And what about what about the shortboards or, or surfboards? The surfboards. Um, you so I, I generally we could do it anywhere between. Like a month, one to two months is a turnaround, just depending on when you order. I get blank deliveries usually every three weeks. Um, so, you know, if you get me at the right time, then we can have your blank come and I can turn it around pretty quick. But um, but sometimes it also just depends on, you know, what's going on with if, if the glasser is super busy, then it might take a little longer. If the glasser is not as busy, then it'll happen faster. So... But I, the one thing I really like try and do is like, no matter how, no matter what's going on with boards, I tr- really try to keep everybody updated as much as possible. So, um, you know, I let you know when the blank comes in. I let you know when it's been shaped, and then when it goes to the glasser and when I'm picking it up. And and I always kind of welcome like, give me a call you, if you need if you're wondering where your board is. Like, let me give me a call and I'll let you know where it is what's going on with it but i try and stay ahead of that so that way when you know it's been two or three months and you still haven't seen your board at least you know why you know so because 
it's just one of those things like I'd love to be able to turn boards around in two weeks, but it's just not always realistic. So, yeah. But Quality yeah. over quantity. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 I think that's kind of the, the challenge with um, being a consumer and like working with a shaper. Cause like, I think a lot of consumers are like, okay, I'll go on firewire, get this board. Bang. I got it. Yeah. I'll Cause it's this, already been made. Right? Or like you can go to your shop and like pick one off the rack and it's like instant gratification. For and sure. that's great. And that's awesome and like hopefully that works every time but it's sometimes yeah i mean it's just like um it's just the reality of it is that you know when you're making something by hand sometimes it takes a little longer oh, absolutely so. but i think one of the benefits of finding a local shaper like yourself is i would argue it's probably more environmentally sound um even if you're using you know pu foam or uh you know when you consider shipping from i gotta be honest with you i don't think anything about surfing making surfboards is environmentally sound i think i agree (laughs) with that but if we started to like like i think this whole thing of like we're all like but this eco model is kind of ridiculous you know these boards come from thailand and they're eco-friendly i don't know yeah true i mean i don't know like the overseas stuff definitely puts a bigger footprint on it for sure but but it looks like wood yeah, it does look like wood. I um, would say that pretty much the surf industry is pretty toxic in general. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think um, as a consumer, as though, a willing participant, in it. yeah, no, I wetsuits the whole thing, yeah. you know. But I think as a consumer, um, uh, one of the benefits of working with you over the years, when you were with Danny Hess and now doing your own thing, is I've had a the chance to ride a, a good number of your boards, and it's really neat to kind of ride them, experience them talk about them get feedback and pick up a thing or two on almost every board yeah you know so having that ongoing exchange i think um can really uh kind of um, do something for your surfing that is uh, uh kind of a learning experience and can help push you to the next level yeah uh, plus it's nice to be able to like you know to it's nice to be able to like meet and talk with the sure. person that's making your board and like for me it's nice to meet the customer and be able to like really try to understand what they're hoping to get out of a certain board and try and and it's a like fun challenge to try and like make that happen and it's great to be able to work with you know really good people like the people down at stretch who do a a really amazing job of glassing and um really make these these sort of these boards come to life because you know i'm only i'm only half the game like you know i send i send a shape board down to them and they they make it they really make it happen you know sure, and yeah. i don't think that enough people sort of give that credit to the glassers and the sanders and the finishers and those guys you know they do they do so much behind the scenes um but yeah and just to be able to have like to have that human connection in in a way that like we don't often get nearly as much as and anymore and it's good it's it's good it's good to good to meet meet everybody and have them hopefully have them be happy with what they walk away with so. absolutely man yeah yeah agreed yeah nick yeah. thanks so much for taking the time and um talking about your crafts your prone boards your uh, array of surfboards um i'm a little biased because i've known you for how old are we that 30 years. how we're th- like, yeah we've known each other for like probably 30 years now yeah and um like I'm, I like I said, I'm biased. I've seen you go from making skateboards to this, and I'm proud of you. And I'm well, honored thanks. to know you and ride your boards. And um, I hope others uh, locally and beyond can uh, experience some of the crafts that you've made and uh, hit you up. So yeah, thanks for taking the time, man. Of course, Appreciate it. yeah. Thanks, thanks for, thanks for letting me talk to you guys. Of course, yeah.